Welcome to the new Paranormal Inc. podcast. I guess this is episode four. Uh, once again at the Haunted Ernestine and Hazel's. So feel free to listen to the recording multiple times for nice EVPs and whatnot. So what are we going to talk about? Well, this week we came up with the novel idea of actually going back and discussing some of our more favorite cases and investigations that we have personally done. Right, because I mean we've spent a lot of time talking about other hauntings like the Amityville Horror and famous poltergeists and things like that, which we obviously did not get to take part in, yeah. unfortunately. Not affiliated with in any shape, form, or fashion. But would of course like to go there, so if you own the Amityville Horror House and you live there, feel free to invite us over. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> we would love to take a crack at it. Hmm. So we're going to basically just doing this completely off the cuff going to just basically go over some of the cases we've done. Some of these will be on the website. No notes that we're going off of. We're just basically going to wing this, which I think will actually be fun. Hopefully. We are uh, having a a nice beer in the lovely Ernestine and Hazel's. uh, Taking advantage of a nice breeze blowing through the window, watching a cop right now pull somebody over. Nice Memphis atmosphere. Exactly. (laughs) I'm sure you heard the trolley go by, too. Mm -hmm. So... um, and we'll let you know as we discuss these cases, uh, if they're on the website, then you'll be able to tune in there and check out some EVPs, photos, that sort of thing. So, I guess, should we maybe, how do we make a chronology? I think we should start, basically, how it started. Chronologically, then. Devil's Backbone. Okay. So, is there anything worth talking about in that case? <laughs> I mean, it was our very first case that we ever did, and this could actually go back to beginner's who are forming a group or something like that. I mean, we can touch base on a lot of stuff because, like I said, it was our first case, and we went through the same frustrations that you're going to go through on your first case. Sure. And a lot of beginner's mistake. There we go. There's a cop. (laughs) Uh, A lot of of beginner's mistakes, obviously, with... um, Devil's Backbone. First off, it being an outdoor... Well, well, let's, let's start at the beginning. Devil's Backbone. So we're talking about a location... Uh, in Grand Tower, Illinois, uh, along the Mississippi River, known for the spirit of a young girl who's said to be heard screaming in the trees. The story goes that she was left, or her, her boyfriend was forced away from her by her father, who was overly protective, and she pined away and died. It Actually, even to get into more detail, her father was actually the foreman of a foundry that was there and he was the young man was an employee and the daughter and the young man the employee they they were sparking they kind of hit up a relationship they fell in love the father just wanted more for his daughter thought that she could do better like all fathers would do i guess basically sent the young man away fired him Sent him back, and she pined away, a little unsure what she died of, but uh, supposedly still there. And it's actually a state park. It is a You park. can camp. You can go through trails, that sort of thing. Uh, you will see what they call, which is a giant ridge line that overlooks the Mississippi River. That is the actual, quote-unquote, backbone. And there's also the remains of the house that was supposedly where the foundry person lived, and the remains of a hearth which they now call the Devil's Bake Oven. 
Um, and this is the area we're talking about. Uh, and we planned this as our first official right. Paranormal Inc. investigation. And to even to throw a little more information in there, another part of the story was that she was deathly afraid of thunderstorms. Right. Something, something about, no, I don't know the reason, have no idea the background of why, but she was just terrified of thunderstorms. Right, and supposedly, you know, in addition to the normal haunting and seeing her and hearing her and that sort of thing, if you actually were there during a thunderstorm, she would be heard screaming because she was terrified of these things. And all this information, by the way, um, though we did get it off a separate from a separate locate or source, uh, you can actually read on Troy Taylor's website. Uh, he has a very good archive of ghost stories uh, in Illinois. Mm-hmm. And he actually has a page that's dedicated to the Devil's Backbone. And most of this information we're talking about, some version of it at least, will be on that website. So if you want to read more about Devil's Backbone, you're welcome to do that. But we just we knew that it was a close location to where we were at the time, which was Cape Girardeau, Missouri. We buzzed over there, planned the evening, and made a lot of rookie mistakes. The first one being we didn't uh, look at the weather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we, did, we didn't take into effect that it was an outdoor... Hey, Charlie. Investigation. <laughs> but we sucked it up. We went on with it. It's like, hey, we were excited. It's our first investigation. Let's go out there. Oh, my gosh. This is a haunted place. It's going to be so fun. All this stuff is going to happen right. <laughs> we did. We were professional enough that we did take out, you know, a lot of video cameras. We took out a lot of audio recorders. We we did get them all stationed. Um, night came. We did our thing, but we were there a whopping. I want to say in the end it was like fifty-two minutes. Maybe we were legitimately into the investigation. I would say no more than a half an hour. When lo and behold, a thunderstorm rolls in, and we're scrambling like madmen <laughs> in the dark woods on a cliff, looking for all our gear to get out of the rain, so that our Initial investment of two uh, high eight cameras <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and some Walmart recorders <laughs> didn't get soaked and ruined out in the rain. <laughs> so that was it. That was it. And we leave in the car talking about, uh, well, yeah. not well, much. Yeah, what a bummer it was. It's like, wow, this, I mean, this blows, this sucks. I mean, first investigation, we're a half hour into it, and the rain runs us off. This could not get any worse. I don't know what to do now. I know. Let's go to Buffalo Wild Wings and have a beer. <laughs> and it actually got much better because what we found out was even though we were there a short amount of time, we we did do some things right. We put cameras in the places that we had heard about activities, so we were in high-probability areas. A.K.A. the hot spots. Right. We had a camera on the Devil's Bake Oven. We had audio recorders right around the Devil's Bake Oven. And, and everything that we actually got on those two devices ended up coming from that area, Mm -hmm. which ended up being the sounds, strangely enough, of a girl screaming, which jive with the stories about thunderstorms. It's very clear, and it is on our website. That is on the website. These can be checked out by visiting our website. Just go to Paranormal Incorporated. Actually, info at paranormalincorporated.com. Is our email address. Email. Well, and yes, you can definitely true. send us any comments you have about the podcast and stuff there. Yeah. But it's all spelled out, paranormalincorporated.com. You can go check out these investigations. Devil's there. Backbone is in the right sidebar yeah. under investigations. You can click right. on it, it's and you can actually archives. hear the screams. We also got a small video clip of what looks like a strange ball of light 
uh, not an orb, not dust, that sort of thing. Not, you know, we're in the anti-orb <laughs> corner here. Yeah. Uh, no, an actual physical ball of light that appears for a whopping right. like half of a second. Right around the, the old foundation of the house. Mm-hmm. Which, to me, you know, it just could be me trying to read more into it, but that sounds like where the uh, screams and the sounds of the girl were emanating from. Right, and I they, think we, they were loud right there, and we did have a recorder sitting right there on the foundation of the house. Right, and I think it's been a while since we've looked at this investigation on the website, but I'm pretty sure I combined the EVPs we caught along with uh, the video clip yeah. into one, one like one thing, mm-hmm. because they were literally caught about the same time too, which was kind of interesting. It was almost synchronous with the appearance of the light was the sound of the girl screaming. Man, that. That's just case in point right there is don't take anything for granted. Like I said, that whole investigation was less than an hour. We were, we literally were run off by the rain. We weren't prepared for that. We didn't have rain gear. We didn't have anything to cover up our equipment with. We left discouraged. We thought, you know, what a waste of time, blah, 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 and check our recorders and all that stuff, did a little review. Have to do your reviews. You have to be diligent about that, and... We found evidence. That's true. And we also learned the valuable lesson of actually turning it to the weather television channel and looking at the <laughs> yeah. weather before you go somewhere. Be prepared. <laughs> Especially an outdoor Boy location. Scout motto, be prepared. <laughs> right. So, okay. So, at this point, you know, because we're talking, what, well, these were several years ago. We're talking 2005? Was it five or seven? Yeah, it was after 2005. Six? I came back from Austin in 2007. So, so you're probably yeah. looking at 2008, maybe? 2007 to 2008. Right. So, okay. So, all right. So, I guess the next significant investigation would have probably been the Metal Museum. Yep. Here in Memphis, Tennessee. Enough, yes, in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. Awesome a, uh, also, a lot of information online for this location. Mm-hmm. In fact, there was an article that was really out there, especially back in 2008-9, about, uh, I want to say it was a local TV station, WREG maybe, did an article. Don't quote me on that. It may not be WREG. But if you look up the most 10 most haunted places in Memphis, you should pull up a article done by a local television network. Uh, where they actually put on their website an article about the 10 supposedly most haunted places in Memphis. And number one was the National Ornamental Metal Museum, wasn't it? Oh, no, it was the Etoka Cemetery that we ended up doing, too. Which we we'll will, come back we to will that. talk about. We'll come back <laughs> to that. But the Metal Museum was on that list. We, it, actually, it midway. we actually mined that list for a yeah. few locations. Yeah. But Metal Museum fell, you know, probably in there somewhere around five or seven. I mean... Personally, I say it's justified to be on the list. I would personally put it higher. Yeah, I mean, some of them on there were pretty much typical ghost stories, like Orpheum, for instance. Exactly. Um, Which, not knocking the Orpheum, which I've had the privilege, I guess I would say, of being there a couple times. Mm -hmm. um, And had a small experience there, but the Metal Museum had a lot more going on. And a lot more history going on with it as far as the haunting. They can't even verify the actual story about the Orpheum. Metal Museum, to me, personally falls into one of my top three creepiest investigations. 
just as far as when I say creepy, I mean, just the feeling and the sense that I got when I was there is just completely on edge the entire time we were there. Yeah, trust your instincts. It was, it was, <laughs> it was just a weird, beautiful building. I mean, just absolutely beautiful. All right, so to give some history, the Meadow Museum basically dates back to uh, the United States Army Hospital, which is right next door to it. And uh, this hospital serviced through several major wars. Um, the actual house that the Meadow Museum is in, uh, it was the uh, home to two families. Uh, the, the husbands, the patriarchs, basically, of the families were doctors that served at the hospital next door. Right. Typically, the officer in charge, yeah, that was, Mm -hmm. like, in charge of the Army Hospital had the privilege of living in this, like, I want to say it's an antebellum home. I want to say it was uh, real close, or maybe Victorian. Well, no, it would be more antebellum Georgian. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it looks like... It's it's really awesome. (laughs) It looks mid to late 1800s. Oh, God, Uh, And they sunk a lot of money renovating the place, and... um, the doctor, one of the legends about the, okay, I'll tell you that there was two ghost stories floating around about the Metal Museum. One's in the article, one we found out from interviewing the locals. The article that you will actually, the ghost story you will read about if you find the article we're talking about is actually that uh, at one point they had decided to take the basement of the home, which was used as a morgue for the head surgeon slash doctor, because the morgue was actually connected via a tunnel to the main hospital. And he could do research, um, things like that. Nothing of a sinister nature. Regular yeah, science. It, it's basically, basement. yeah. I mean, it, it was his contribution to the advancement of medicine. Right. Nothing, um, nothing sinister here. Just regular old right. stuff. And Quite they decided, possibly, though... You know, a lot of autopsies could have been done there. Oh, well, absolutely. They probably were. And... They decided to turn that basement morgue into just a basement. Mm-hmm. So they had taken this uh, body chute slash ramp and turned it into a flight of stairs. And the story goes that they used local prisoners from the county prison to come mm-hmm. out and do the, the grunt labor for this since this was a city-funded operation. And apparently over the course of constructing these stairs, these fellows who, you know, these are, you know, convicted criminals. So, you know, apply whatever stereotype you want to. You want to. But these people would run out of the building, frightened by something in, inside the basement. Would, they would not go back in. They would rather go back to their jail cells than be out in the quote unquote fresh air. And uh, working just, in a you know a little bit of freedom. Is <laughs> right. What they were getting, you know, they were getting a little bit of freedom. They were. Providing a service and you know a free service, but they chose to go back to jail rather than work in that house. And the people during this entire renovation process, the owners had a story of their own, uh, which was told to us directly via the curator there. Mm-hmm. And he actually said at one point they had taken apart the floor on the second floor, uh, so that if you were on the ground floor, you could actually look up and look through mm-hmm. holes in the floor to the second floor. And they had just installed a new uh, security system. They were closing up for the day, and he was literally standing at the front door punching in a code and just happened to glance up and saw that there was a person staring through a hole in the floor from the second floor down at him. Mm-hmm. Well, he knew he was the only one in the place, <laughs> but he... That would be just the creepiest <laughs> thing in the world. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
So, you know, he thinks, well, well, okay, well, maybe somebody, you know, we're locking somebody in. So he ran upstairs, looked around, no one's there, and there was no one in the place. Uh, we, this is pretty much the two stories we heard going into this, and uh, we did get a few EVPs. We got some interesting video stuff, but, and those are on the website, by the way. The Metal Museum is on the website, too. But I think, really, this really came down to, since this was an early investigation, this was one of the first places we had some personal experiences. Yeah, this like legitimately was our second second investigation. De- definitely yeah. our first real formal going yeah. into a private location. Right. I mean, right. and this, I mean, because this was legitimately, this is a museum. You're not just going to go there. Don't don't even think by listening to this podcast that oh well, we got to go investigate this place because you're not going to do it. Yeah, and even it's, now... It's they not, have, it is not open to the public for well, investigation. And, and it's even more inaccessible now because they actually, at the time, they had a director there who was really open to the paranormal mm-hmm. and talking about experiences there. And in fact, they had had more experiences there, and they were interested in, in the investigation. But uh, when we went back to this location several times trying to go back, we encountered a big, fat wall mm-hmm. uh, that was basically yeah. the new director saying, that, well, not only do we not want this... Uh, publicity, but you know we're definitely not going to encourage it. Right. So, but we had a lot of personal experiences. We we worked a lot in the basement, the morgue area, if you will. And there was one particular moment uh, I definitely will always remember. Well, two. Uh, the first being that scratchy, this basement. Scratchy, okay, scratchy, <laughs> scratchy. But first, imagine. Okay, we're standing in a basement that's basically the room we were in is windowless, and it's black. Oh, that, yeah, that room was pitch, pitch black. The only light was a L-shaped crack of light that was leaking around the edge of the door that led up to the, the steps, which was once mm-hmm. the body chute. And we're sitting in the dark, the two of us, and what you're actually seeing is something black is blocking out the light in front of you. So something was passing between us and the door. Yeah, back and forth. Dense enough that it was actually blocking... The light coming from around the door. You can and see these black shapes. It wasn't one of those things where oh, my eyes need to adjust or something. I mean, we literally sit there and watched this happen for several minutes. I mean, it, it wasn't one of those, oh, two, three-second things and it was gone. Or I mean, we watched it five, six, seven, eight times just passing back and forth in front of this door. Right. Blocking the light out. And if that's not enough... No sooner are we sort of like, dis, you know, discussing, are you seeing this? Are you seeing this too? Are you, am I the only one seeing this? But then we start hearing this voice coming from the next room across the hall, which is a clear, loud whisper going, hey, hey. We actually caught that hey on audio. On we audio. have one of the clips that you'll listen to. You will actually hear the scratchy voice saying, hey. And we could actually hear this. This is not an EVP. This is an actual disembodied voice. We heard it live. Which, and going back to the creepy part that I had mentioned earlier, for some reason, that was the one room that totally freaked me out. It, it was. It seemed was, it darker than all the other rooms. It was like, I don't know if you, if you know what, like Indian ink or anything, just so pitch black. It's like they just dunked that whole room yeah, in it black was dark. ink. It was. I mean, we were, we were clutching our, our <laughs> night vision cameras. <laughs> <and my neighbors. laughs> I literally did. Safety rack. I mean, and 
this, honestly, this was early <laughs> in our investigation, so I I have a reason for being such a little sissy boy. <laughs> I literally, you know, we needed to put a recorder in there, so I'm thinking it took me maybe three seconds to get it, and it was like a mad dash in there, dropped it wherever it fell, and I ran out. Man, it, it and, and then if, if that wasn't enough, then while we're discussing all of this and periodically walking into the next room, we weren't totally, like, avoiding all the activity we, we would go into the next room when the haze would stop and then we would go back to the other room and they would start up again mm-hmm. and while we're kind of going through all of this uh, there was about a foot and a half space between my back and the wall behind us and what sounds like man almost just like rock scraping on rock this like scratch or scrape or loud something happens directly behind my back which Mike will attest to the fact that I jumped about three feet in the air. He probably said, <laughs> and as far as vertical jump, I mean, he was there. No NBA player could have topped it. Yeah, white I men mean, can jump. It was it was funny at the time, and I will admit, yes, I laughed. Oh sure, I mean, but, I mean, it was I did it was a great assault, le- maybe. it was a legitimate startle. Something definitely happened. Oh, it, uh, and what got me was, I guess the thing that made it the scariest was, you know, I've sort of already backed myself to the wall anyway because we were sort of backing away from the black shapes we were seeing moving in front of us. And then, you know, I've got maybe, and I'm being pretty generous on this, it's probably more like six to eight inches <laughs> of space between me and the back. And, wow, I mean, it's just, it was a loud scrape. It, I jumped in the air and probably yelped. Mm, there might have been a yelp in it. I'll, I'll, own, I'll own up to that. Maybe a yelp. Yeah, I'm saying more of a screech. <laughs> I don't know if I go to screech territory, but I okay. yelp. <laughs> and, and take you, you got to remember this is our second investigation, right? And, and we're going first into, and a first and an actual like yeah. uh, structure. Yeah, and where we're, storms can't. We're going us. from this and we're discussing this, and it's like that was why wow, that was wild. Did you hear that? Blah blah blah. And it's like. We walk over to the next room, which actually did have a window in it, and we're still discussing this, and uh, this room probably nine-foot ceilings, something like that. As we're discussing this, something passes in front of the window and completely blocks all the light from that window coming in. Right. And the the window itself is probably situated five to six foot up. And for I mean that was for something to actually pass in front of it and completely obliterate the light. It had to have been right in front of us. Well, and we're in a basement, so this window is exactly. probably just barely above ground level. Exactly. Right. But to, to actually block the light out, I mean, it couldn't pass right in front of it. It couldn't have been in front of the window. It had to have been maybe less than a foot in front of us. Right. Personally. Closer closer to us than the windows. The point here. Right. Right. So because because it blocked it in one whack. You know, a regular person walking in front of a window. It would take a second or two to, right. to get all the way. And you wouldn't block it all out. No, you could you see, just, like, something bounce in front of, like, the top right. of their head or something like that. Right. And keep in mind, too, is, is what was also interesting, and, again, why review is so important, is while, you know, we were, of course, all over all these things that were happening to us in real time, while all of this is happening, we have a video camera on the second floor where the person would have been that looked through the floor mm-hmm. in the person's story and uh, is actually capturing voices and things right. on it too. And 
Again, all of this, I, I'm pretty sure every bit of this is on the website. That, the video that, of the upper floor with the voices is. and the downstairs. Yeah, there was the one certain point where we actually left the basement. You can hear us leave because there is actually an alarm on the door that sounds every time somebody enters or leaves. If you could hear us leave, and for like a brief instant, our recorders would pick us up talking as we left the building, but then there was dead silence. But you heard the voice upstairs, and hello, hello, right? Yeah, the hello like, came through really like clear. Is, yep, somebody there, kind of a hello. Yep, I, that place just really freaks me out. Yeah, I like I liked it, and it has a soft spot in my heart because again, it's the first place that we investigated that was a, an actual. Hey, this is a real place, and they're and letting I, us in here, and they actually. Oh my gosh! They, they want our opinions, and they're letting us like bring gear in and like actually do a ghost hunt, you know, and. And everyone, I'm sure, that's out there listening to this has probably either done a ghost hunt or wants to do a ghost hunt, so they could probably relate. So, all right. So, that's yeah, that the, cool. the formal name, the National Ornamental Metal Museum, located in Memphis, Tennessee. And it's, uh, it's actually a really cool place. I mean, if you actually look at it, they have, is it one of the most extensive libraries on metal, metalology? The biggest. Yeah. So if you're into metallurgy, uh, absolutely it's a place to and go. And they do actually do real smithing work there still. They do. And it's actually, dismissing the ghost for a second, it's actually a really cool place to visit. It is. Even if you want to go into a really cool antebellum home. Mm -hmm. It's right, still, we're still right next door to that that giant, massive, old army hospital, which you're not going to go into because of asbestos. Right. And... Uh, but it's a great, it's a great, it's a great tour, interesting visit, with or without ghosts. All right, so... What's next? Ah, let's move on to the next. We probably aren't going to be taking these chronologically because we're just trying to pick out oh some God, of Because we have bad memories. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's probably the best reason. We're just trying to pick out some of the best ones we've done. Well, you know, I mean, the early years, I mean, particularly, we, we made less of an effort to sort of get out there. But I want to say, if not the very next year, yeah, it was the very next year, actually. We made the nice trip to Talbot Tavern. Talbot and Doran. Yes. Which For, we cannot talk about forget, Doran. Forget Doran. <laughs> <laughs> but Talbot, definitely up there. on That's on a short list of our revisits, put it that way. Yeah, so we, we went to the Mid-South Paranormal Convention, which I don't mind giving them a plug here because... It was fun. It was fun. It's a good time. Good. I don't know if I would call it serious. Yeah, got to hang out all weekend <laughs> with Brian Harnwell, if you're familiar with him from Ghost Hunters. Taps. Shout out to Brian. Hey, what's up, Brian? Uh, they, they, typically, they typically bring in your, your well-known television ghost hunting types. I right. mean, they had a lot of the uh, stalwarts from Ghost Hunters, uh, the Booth Brothers, of course, uh, and those types. So anyway, uh, we went mainly because uh, we had, in addition to getting to go and sort of hobnob with people doing the same thing we're doing, we had booked two nights at what were two reputedly haunted locations while we were there. We were anxious to go there and get a couple new investigations under our belt. The first night was at the reputedly haunted Doe Run Inn uh, in house. Kentucky, and which was a... Case not worth talking about. It's an episode from the Twilight Zone. Uh, yeah. But wow. the second evening, we stayed at the fantastically awesome Talbot Tavern in Bardstown, Kentucky. Old, old. 
I mean, when how old? When we're talking like seventeen hundreds old. Most people are going like, "Oh my God, that that house was built in eighteen forty. Dude, this house goes eighty years beyond that. It was like seventeen. It was like seventeen, late seventeen eighties, seventeen ninety. I'm wanting to say seventeen ninety six, but. Anytime you put a 17 in front of something, especially in, in America, in America, New, New right, that's old, right? And I mean, and this was literally at one point a trailside tavern. I mean, it was on the old uh, stagecoach trails, and this was a place people would stop and hang out. And they were known for some of these famous people, like yeah. everyone from George Patton to Abraham Lincoln Jesse to Jesse James, James to Lincoln, uh, you name them. Yeah, when, yeah. Lincoln, 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 Patton, James. They all have rooms named right. after them, by the way. This is uh, this is legitimately one of those places that even if you never stepped foot in the building, you would love just going and looking at the exterior of it. It's it is absolutely that awesome. The place is incredible. And there are a lot of Talbot Tavern actually has. If you go to their website, they post a lot of the ghost stories and things about Talbot Tavern on the website. So a lot of what we're going to tell you, you could actually go read firsthand at their website. Don't remember the, the domain name, but you can Google it, find it. But the one story that we did know was that the it was on the website, but we got more information from the innkeeper when we visited. Um, was the famous story of Jesse James, which was he's apparently the first person to see a ghost. First step in Talbot Tavern. First ghost story from Talbot Tavern. And the story goes, you know, this was Jesse James when he was a wanted man. Another Missouri boy. There you go. He was a wanted man. He was just there hanging out, hiding out, drinking, that sort of thing. Had a room on the second floor, which is now known as the Jesse James room. And took a nap. Woke up to find someone standing at the foot of the bed looking at him. Immediately assumed it was the law. (laughs) Somebody out to get him. Somebody looking for him. And... Being an outlaw, being a bank robber, obviously you know the first thing he's going to do. Pow, pow, pow. Yeah, grabs his gun, basically empties the chamber. The bullet holes are still in the wall. Interestingly, yes. They they actually, a little bit of patois yeah. for the room. There's actually, the bullet holes are still in the wall. You can go and look at them. But, but he basically saw a ghost and shot right. at it. And <laughs> obviously, as... As you can imagine, the bullets passed right through. Nothing absolutely happened at uh, all. The person faded just away. Kind of faded and, away. Yeah. And Jesse James went down and lodged the first ever complaint to a manager at Talbot Tavern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm this fucking room. Yeah. There's a ghost in my room. <laughs> Get me the fuck out Move of here. Move me. <laughs> so we heard that story, but ironically, uh, most of the current day stories seem to surround two specific areas of the hotel, one being a room called the General's Quarters, which is where we stayed. Not just for the fact that it had two separate beds in it, which, you know, of course, suits mainly, the guys. Mainly because <laughs> it had two separate beds in it. But also because it had a lot of ghost stories. And the adjoining common area, which was a ballroom, where reputedly a girl hung herself from a chandelier. Mm-hmm. And they actually do still leave that chandelier dimly lit. Yes. That, the, only, sort of the only light in that room that is actually on. Right. And so it, this was a interesting investigation, too, in a lot of ways. Very, <laughs> very, very good investigation. 
Yeah, it uh, things started out pretty uh, stereotypical ghost hunt. I mean, hey Charlie, hey Charlie, if you're listening. That is not a ghost. All right, more tourists. That's yeah. what we need, <laughs> really. Um, so, well, the the investigation actually started out pretty normal. I mean, we were doing yeah. EVPs, put some cameras out. With a uh, semi-typical for an investigation, but lo and behold, to our surprise, we're leaving our room. We were going to actually head downstairs. There's a kind of a, a bar downstairs. They have live entertainment and oh, yeah, you know, bar food and yeah. stuff like that. So we were going to go down there before we started our investigation, just basically because of the noise. And... Patty Starr shows up. Right, who apparently runs a ghost tour of Bardstown. And Talbot Tavern is like a regular stop there. So she comes through with an entire cadre of tourists and uh, shows them around. So we actually got to listen in a little bit on her version of the story of the woman who hung herself in the uh, chandelier. Then proceeds to walk outside the room we're staying in and say, oh, and this is the room that's the most haunted. And... People see ghosts in here all the time, and we're kind of sitting there going, yeah, we're staying in this room. Yeah. But we <laughs> and, did invite them in. And they did. They they, they they came in and walked around the room and looked at our luggage. And Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> oh, this is so nice. But it's just, I mean, for us, it was kind of cool. I mean, obviously, if you visit our website and you've listened to our podcast and you've heard us before, and it's not a knock against psychics, we just... We don't believe. We don't use them. We don't. (laughs) It's it's not how we operate. That's not the evidence that we're looking for. No, because it's not evidence. No, I mean she's very pleasant and nice person. No qualms at all. You know, hey, you want to go in there and look at look at anything you want. That's your your deal. Do your thing. Um, Yeah. So anywho, so the investigation though was pretty typical in that. You know, we put out our audio recorders, we put out our video recorders, uh, obviously in our room, but we really wanted to take advantage of the ballroom while we could get at it. Big truck going by. a big truck. Or loud car, one of the two. Ooh, it's an old hot rod. All right, there you go. And um, everything was going pretty much prototypical ghost hunt, i.e. boring. Exactly. Uh, until... Uh, a series of events take place over a stretch of probably, what, 10 or 15 minutes. Well, it's it's one of those things that it's like nothing's happening. It's, if there's any deer hunters out there, it's it's like deer hunting. Nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And, oh, my God, three deer run across. And that's how it was. We were sitting there, and I don't know how many laps we made around that, you know, the ballroom, the common area. But all of a sudden... For some reason, when the activity started, it got it big. Started. Hey, Charlie. Yeah, that's that was us actually tooting our own horn. Yeah. So <laughs> basically, it all kicked off with, as I recall, I was sitting in a chair. Mike was on the other side of the room, and all of a sudden, this massive cold blast swept across me. And I mean, when I say this, if you've ever, like on a hot day, and I'm talking like right now, July, August, like you're sweating your ass off, you're hotter than hell, you go inside, you open up your freezer, and that blast of air that sweeps out of the freezer and washes over you, 
this is what it felt like, hit me from behind, and I looked at Mike and I said, well, I think I just felt, you know, like my first legitimate cold spot, like, hit me. And no sooner does it leave my mouth, then lo and behold, the door opens to the room. Well, actually, uh, even before that, if you think back, about the same time that the cold spot was going on, there were some, there's built-in cupboards in the far wall. There's like a fireplace in the center of the uh, wall, the far wall, and on either side of it, there are cupboards, and the doors actually started rattling. We're talking about, when we're talking about the ballroom. <laughs> if you exactly. go to Talbot Tavern, this is the ballroom. And the door, actually, the doorknob turned. You could hear, you, you could, could hear, hear the, the latch. doorknob turn. The, the latch unlocked. Opening. The door mm-hmm. swung open. And actually, we thought we were busted. Yeah. We, we <laughs> thought the manager was coming up saying, you know, you got to keep it you down. You guys are being too loud. Yeah, what are you doing in here? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, go to your room. And we're both kind of standing there with a the whole, like, well, we're busted. Well, it's the typical dough in the headlights. Oh, my God. <laughs> But nobody was there. Right. The door swings completely open, and there's no one. Yeah. We, on further, the whole thing was when we listened to it, you could hear the latch turning and everything. I mean, but we examined the door. There was absolutely no latch on the door, period. No, there's not. It, it, it had been removed. There's no latch there. So but you heard it. It was, it was a really interesting event. And then... Uh, then we decided to do this experiment. Right. I mean, even with the door going back to that, we did, before anybody even wants to send us any nasty emails, we did do the debunking. We went downstairs. We opened and closed other doors to see if a vacuum would cause that door to open. We checked for other people up there. Right. None of it worked. I mean, the door legitimately, you know, you heard the latch, unlatch. You heard the door creak and, and swing wide open, wide open. All the way open. Not a little bit. It wasn't like a breeze blowing it open. I mean, it literally swung I mean, open it like was somebody a, it. was enough that I it. thought it was a human being open. Exactly. It, it not, opened just like somebody had yeah, a doorknob and opened it It was very it deliberate. I mean, I, I, I had no no doubt that a person was walking in on us and right. it was either another guest and they were going to mm-hmm. be wondering, what are these guys doing in this mm-hmm. room in the middle of the night? Or it was the manager coming to, you know, chide us. Right. And it was neither. It was There was no one there. And... Right after this happens, uh, I actually, we decided to bust out the uh, EMF detector that we have. It's a simple cell sensor that it beeps when it actually gets more than two milligauss of a hit, dead at a doornail. And so we start asking questions and the thing is beeping. I was actually videoing this the whole time. Right. And uh, we gotta, we're about to run into another ghost hunter lesson here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so I'm actually saying, you know, if anyone's here, you know, come towards this device, make it beep. And it, lo and behold, it's beeping, it's speeding up, it's increasing in intensity. And then I decide uh, I'll ask whatever's there to touch me. And it does. <laughs> and I jump and I yell. And it could be because, to be honest with you, even though I asked for it, I completely did not expect it to actually happen. And <laughs> so at the immediate time, he jumps and, you know, it's going to startle you regardless. I don't care who you are. You're going to be startled. But the cell sensor completely went dead. Right. What was, what was odd? But first off, let's talk about the touch itself. It, actually, it felt like a heavy hand dropped on top of my hand on the EMF detector. And as soon as, literally, the second that I jerked my hand back, 
like an alarm, the beeping stopped immediately. And it was like we, we scared each other. Right. It was like I jumped back, and whatever touched me also jumped back. I'm far enough away that the EMF detector wasn't even picking it up anymore. It did not do this once. It did this three times. All on audio, yeah. all on video. Two, two hand touches, because he immediately comes back in with, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to startle you. You startled me. It won't happen again. He puts his hand back out and, you know, just just come up and if you are here, touch me. And almost on cue, the EMF detector goes off and something touches him on the hand and he immediately... Jumped again. Jumps again. (laughs) (laughs) And the EMF detector died. And then of all weird things, it felt like something came up right behind me and, like... Put their, like if someone that was very familiar with you, like your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, came up behind you and just kind of leaned on you from behind and put a, their arms kind of like around you a little bit. And it freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was actually after that that the door opened. That's right. I guess in the real, in the real sequence of events. That's when the door opened. Well, and maybe, so maybe it was actually her whatever leaving. was there leaving. Yeah. And I'm, I'm saying her because the story is like, you know. Right. We, have, we don't so. have any idea if but it was a him That's or, just me saying. Right. That, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But that that is the sequence in which it happened. Right after the hug took place, Richard jumped forward. It was almost like whatever was there maybe left the room. It's like, well, I'm not putting up with this shit anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, the door opens up. <laughs> Right. And we're both, like I said, we're standing there. We literally froze. I mean, yeah, it was it, it, it was, was funny to see us because we just immediately stopped in our tracks as if you were watching a video and hit pause. We just, <laughs> just stopped. Right. And I mean, because once again, it wasn't anything paranormal. We thought we were busted. Right. Uh, but we weren't. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, and all of this was, you know, this was just like a really active about a half an hour stretch. It, the, yeah. I mean, when it started... It continued. I mean, it didn't just, uh, we had one thing, and then like 15 minutes later, something else happened. I mean, it was continuous. And when it died, it died. It died. <laughs> and we extended an invitation for whatever was there to follow us to our room. We went back to the room for the night. And we had one request. more interesting, <laughs> And we had one more interesting event. Uh, this room actually has two twin beds. Uh, Mike was in one, I was in the other, and I want to—I don't know if it was you or me that had the bright idea of maybe we should just take the beeping EMF detector, yeah, that was stick you. it on the nightstand <laughs> between yeah. us, and if anything yeah. ever comes over and bothers us, yeah, we know, know. we'll <laughs> hear it because it'll beep, you know. Yeah. All, all of this is on our website, too. This whole sequence that we're getting ready to talk about is on our website. Right, and uh, we, I actually just did that. We got in the beds, we're about to cut off the lamp, uh, put the EMF detector on the table. And I looked over at Mike, and everything we're actually saying right here, this little part of the script is in one long recording. It was in audio recordings all night long. Mm-hmm. I got to listen to about 14 hours of us both snoring all night long. <laughs> and that's both of us. We, yeah. Uh, I've actually been able to tell our snores apart. I, I've, heard, <laughs> I've heard both of us snore so much on audio that I actually can tell the snores apart. All right, which is sad. Mm-hmm. And, yes, I do snore. I will admit it. All right. I, I guess I do. <laughs> all right. So, uh we just literally turned on the, the EMF detector, and I looked over at Mike, and I said, so, hey, if that EMF detector starts to go, you know, beeping in the night, is it going to scare you? And Mike said, 
Well, hell yeah. In fact, if it starts to beep, you're probably going to have to do a double take because I'll probably be hanging up there in the rafters. Like, oh, the netting. Because this yeah. bed actually had a canopy mm-hmm. on top of it that was netting. And as soon as he said it, he got a funny look on his face. And then uh, I kind of said, what? And he said, well, this cold blast of air just hit me in the face. Think nothing of it. Of course, upon review, when we go back and look at this audio, uh, you can actually hear this ex- exact change of dialogue. But as soon as he says, you'll probably have to do a double take, you're going to find, you'd probably find me up in that netting, you hear this really bizarre laugh. Mm-hmm. And it almost sounds like a cross between a frog and a person laughing. It, kind of a... <laughs> it's like a cackle. It's almost yeah. like a... It's like a witch's cackle. It's, it's the really, only way I can describe it. Yeah, it's like really fast, really like... <laughs> and it's like, like that. Yeah, I mean, it's really quick. But it's really clear. Oh, God, yeah. And, you, you know, and then you hear Mike say a cold blast of air hits his face. Mm-hmm. So it's almost just like there was, you know, this invisible mm-hmm. laugh that neither of us heard it. So this yeah, is an EVP. It's definite EVP. Right. We do not respond to the laugh at all no. on the recording. But you can hear me rustling in the bed and, you know, saying, you know, I just felt like a cold blast of hair, air just hit me in the face, you know. Right. Now, and so getting back to the Ghost Hunter lesson... Uh, at the time, the turnaround between us actually investigating a case and then actually getting around to, to actually reviewing all of the data collected and then the turnaround of me actually constructing it all into a, a web page and posting it on our website, hey, it was a huge turnaround. Mm-hmm. And by the time we actually got to the point that we were actually editing all this stuff and putting it on the website, well... Mike lost the, the video. <laughs> the video is gone. And to this day, I do not know where it goes because I remember watching it. Yeah, we <coughs> had the video of the entire sequence of me jumping and mm. sque- screeching. Yeah. And maybe this is a good Man. thing it's gone. Yeah, but, I mean, it was, the video was set up just so, I mean, you couldn't quite see the door, but you heard it on the video. It was loud enough that the uh, video recorder on the other side of the room actually picked it up. Right. It showed our reaction. It showed us going over and like actually investigating the door, checking it out, and talking about, well, hey, there's no door latch even on this, blah, blah, blah. Right. And now the tape's gone. It evaporated. The tape uh, is We don't know gone. if the, the tape <laughs> disappeared or if another investigation we did. In the meantime, we recorded over it. Yeah. That, uh, that's lesson number one. Archive all Mark video. Mark them. Set them write aside. Write Yeah. Upload them. Archive them. Don't wait till later. It will always bite mm-hmm. you in the butt. And, and it has bitten right. us in the and butt a few times. That, that was some of our best evidence right. on, on video. Right. At the time, for sure, it was yeah. probably the best we had on video. It's gone. Yeah. Gone forever. Gone. Absolutely. Evaporated. Mm-hmm. And one of my own, and, and one of, still one of my most dramatic personal experiences. I mean, yeah. so it completely and gone. Just, you know, we basically have what you're getting now, just personal encounters, personal reflection on what happened. We can't. Show it to anybody. We can't right. Yeah. However, you can go to the website, pull up Talbot Tavern, and listen to the audio of the uh, cackle laugh and see some photos of the ballroom and all that kind of thing. Yeah. That's a learn. Good place to go, by the way. Definitely. Uh, worth, worth the definitely. price of a room. Uh, rent the general's quarters. And, not, uh, it's not that expensive. Nope, it wasn't. It and was. it's fun. Like I said, it's a fun time. There's a really nice club downstairs. You get to listen to some really good bands. Get you some good bar food, hang out. Yep. It's it's fun all around. All fun right time. there. Yep. It's just the worst part would be the drive if you live 
you know, right. reasonably far if away you, between And it. if, as we learned, if you are wanting to do an investigation, you will have to wait until the band and everything is done in the right. bar. And definitely another consideration <clears throat> when you're doing it. That was another mm-hmm. sort of a mistake. Yeah. You know, well, we, yeah, we didn't know we, there was going to be a. We knew band. there. I think we knew there was that a lunch. restaurant or something there, right. but we had no idea they played live music till one a.m. Uh, so we had to wait until that was completely over and the crowd had dispersed before we could even turn on a recorder. So needless yeah. to say, we were exhausted by the time yeah, was, we finished our investigation. It was legitimately. Well, it was after one o'clock before we got to start our investigation. Yeah, and it was at, it was between four and five before we finally yeah. crawled into the bed and got some sleep. But so, I will return to happily it. go back there. Absolutely. And it's right next door to another really neat haunted location mm-hmm. called the Jailer's jail Inn. Inn. Uh, that was once exactly a prison. exactly what it says. It's yeah. a jail. It was an old jail. It's an old stone jail. It was an old jail. You get to actually stay in a cell as your yeah. room. It's and a, it's a it's B&B. You can stay there. And it's haunted. So, fun I trip. Love, I would love to do. Absolutely. Fun little back-to-back haunted trip you like can make right there. Nice Same weekend trip. interesting town. All right. So, all right. So, Cabo Tavern. Thumbs I, up. I say uh, the next one we should actually talk about is the walking horse. Walking horse, okay. That was a good one. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm losing dates at this point. I don't even. Now they're all just big blurs of investigation. Walking horse hotel. Uh, don't quote me on this because I don't want to sound like a liar. I'm going at it. Would probably have been around 2011, 2010. I was 2010. Probably, probably more like 2000, late 2009, early 2010. Because yeah. it was. It's been a while. Another another very cool place. To go to, even without the haunting, right? And another, really nice. and another well-known haunted place yeah. that's on about a thousand old, websites, uh, old et cetera. Railroad hotel. Yeah, uh, not a pleasant town, I wouldn't say. Uh, War Trace, Tennessee. Yeah, might have, might have gotten better. Population mm-hmm. of what? Maybe seventy. It <laughs> depends on if any of the. Uh, pets have died. Yeah, it, it's this really like you blink and you miss it kind of a town. It's it's uh, a close-knit yeah, county. county. Uh, it's a close-knit yeah, community, big in the thoroughbred horse racing. Yeah. So, so big that they actually have a uh, grave plot and a monument to a Kentucky Derby horse there. And the ghost of a horse. <laughs> and the ghost of a horse, which yeah. for some reason is in the hotel. Supposedly, yeah. <laughs> an actual ghost of a horse <coughs> has been seen in a hotel. <coughs> supposedly, uh, explain that. Yeah, uh, but on more practical terms, the current owner of the of the uh, location, Joe Peters, uh, renovated the place with his wife. Lost his wife tragically, not long after moving in. Uh, has had a lot of personal experiences there. Is very open and welcoming to ghost hunters. Uh, could definitely, you know, probably use business people yeah. visiting there and get the downstairs area. Uh, is it the Chase Lounge? Yep, named after his named his after wife. his wife uh-huh. Chase Chase mm-hmm. Chase Lounge. Beautiful bar. Yeah, the, uh, it's absolutely. Yeah. Is, you if you walked into it, you legitimately would think you were in downtown New York. Yeah, it's it got a real. Awesome. It has a real almost like a 1920s flapper sort of era thing. So. Cool. Yeah, it is. Uh, and the second floor uh, is also where all the rooms are, which is yeah, in pretty good shape. Yeah. Third floor was completely unfinished right. when we were there. 
in the middle of renovations actually when we were there. But the, right. the second and third floor is kind of kept historic. You know, that it's not modern by no means. Which I mean, is to say has decor from the 1970s. <laughs> and, yeah. I recall, I, like, gaudy red it's a, carpet. It's a hodgepodge uh, of decorations up there, put it yeah, that way. They, they really had not expanded their efforts a whole lot to no, the second floor yet. But comfortable. Um, it was definitely had a 70s vibe kicking. Um, third floor was unfinished, <laughs> which was really the, the location of most of the ghost stories. Right. And Joe did give us permission. Mm-hmm. We did not go up there. Uh, like had, you know, on our own, we, we had basically had full this. run of the hotel. Provided cleared, we did cleared it with him, we did definitely clear it with him. Correct. Something to remember if you're going to do an investigation, yes. don't buy into that gorilla investigating. Well, and it's just and it's amazing what you can get when you ask for it. So exactly. Just ask. So we got to the third floor. We had a we had a great little investigation, and this was probably I think awesome. the first. This was the first investigation that Mike had his first personal experience. This is probably the Big first room. one where I maybe squealed like a girl. Now, I don't know if it was mm. the first it's where you squealed like a girl, but yeah. <laughs> you Let's definitely did squeal like just, a girl at this one. This is like <laughs> I, I dropped the f bomb several times, and it, well, it freaked me out. Yeah, freaked me out too. I mean, I didn't actually see what he saw, but uh, his reaction was so sudden that it scared me with secondary. Richard was in fear for him, his life because of flailing arms. Well, I had a secondary scare because I mean, we're in the dark and a person next to me is like wigging. (laughs) So, well, so you tell it. Well, we were set up on one end of the third floor. Just kind of sitting on actually a pile of two-by-fours and stuff. Because like we mentioned, it was in the middle of renovation. And kept hearing sounds and seeing shadows come from the far end. Right. And this this went on several minutes. And by several minutes, I mean probably half an hour. And we just sat there and we kept discussing it. You know, why'd you see that? I mean, oh, it's getting blacker down there, blah, blah, blah. And did you hear that? Did you hear that? Something coming from another room. So... We decided to move to that end of the hallway and do our investigation there. So we set up, we do a little walk around, we go into one of the far bedrooms, everything's, like I said, empty, we're doing sweeps, we're doing EMF readings, we're doing EVP work, so we think, okay, well, there's nothing there, let's move on. So we start to walk out of the room, I'm leading the way, basically I have my head down looking at my recorder, trying to put it on pause, I have a flashlight in the other hand. As soon as I turn up, there's a woman standing in front of me in the hallway. And I'm not 100% sure if she was just standing there, if she actually came out of her room. But it seemed like, you know, as soon as I seen her, she was turning and heading down the hallway. And she maybe took three steps and just started kind of fading away. And that basically was the point where I turned into a third grader. A blathering. <laughs> a blathering. A blathering idiot. <laughs> flailing around like a town drunk. Yeah, well, he immediately slapped me in the chest, which like, scared the shit out of me. It's like, well, uh, it's like... Uh, and Joe... My, my brand new flashlight goes flying his one flashlight way. flew one direction. I flew the other. <laughs> it, it, yeah. it, it was a legitimate startle. Yeah, I mean, it was a strong reaction. Uh, and probably justifiably and, so. And... I mean, we immediately, both of us took off, went to the corner, looked down the hallway, there, nothing. And right. 
This was later in our investigations where we started learning a little bit more and immediately Richard pulled me to the side and did an interview. Right, immediately and tried to just, document just started all questioning the who, me. where, when, exactly. now, what, yeah, details. And it's like, you know, let's get this on tape right now while it's fresh in your mind, not wait until tomorrow, not wait until next week, and we have that all on audio, Absolutely. which is on our website. You, I mean, you'll hear me, like I said. Yeah, the actual live <laughs> encounter is all on the website. Yeah, couldn't, know, help, couldn't help put that on there. <laughs> but... That I mean, the just that's a case in point. If you're starting out, or even if you're a seasoned investigator, when a situation like that happens, immediately pull that person to the side and do your own little interrogation. Basically, you know what happened, what did you see? Describe this, describe that. You know, get right. everything down on audio. And also, where you and, know. and another another fine point, and we can use this point to lead into another sort of location thing. But the other thing, too, is to sort of understand and sort of have the mindset, you know, if anything happens, you know, that we're going to remain calm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if we're that wigged out, we're going to calmly leave the area, go outside, collect ourselves, and then come back inside. And, you know, I mean, this was unnecessary in this case because, you know, once the initial shock was over, everybody was cool. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you do these things – and it's boring, boring, boring. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. It's boring. It's boring. Oh crap! And something, then something crap. happens, and it can happen at any any time. Hi, Charlie. Hola. But I mean, and that was not the only experience we had there. I mean, there no, were we we left several, several, several occasions where I mean we did hear talking, and just I mean a lot of EVPs. We got a lot of good stuff from that place. Yep. Another one that I can legitimately put on my short list of places to go back to absolutely and this takes us to another sort of mini lesson here in that um there's a whole realm of you know paranormal groups all over the place and all these conferences and all the social networking everything and you know getting to know other paranormal groups and investigators that sort of have the same mindset that's sort of important mm-hmm. you know because you know what you know avoid the all the squabbling and infighting that seems right. to happen amongst people who Which are involved in the Which normally happens when you encounter groups that are large. That are large, yeah. but also are into just sort of fringe things. Right. Like, you know, they want to play with dowsing rods. Exactly. They want to they wanna have uh, some girl who wears all black who claims that she's a psychic. They mm-hmm. want to... Uh, uh, they want to do these fringe things that are neither here nor there or have anything to do with, you know, the spirits and ghosts. Yeah, and I things. mean... You know, and I'm not going to knock large groups. Not, not. I mean, but <laughs> when you're doing an investigation, if your group has 30 members, you're not going to take all 30 members. I mean, you just can't. Do you legitimately think you're going to get clean audio and actually capture good evidence? Well, you've got, you have is. 30 different personalities going to an investigation, 30 different beliefs. You, thirty you different people talking it. at the same time. I know. Thirty different people tromping around. 30 yeah, you got thirty. You have 30 members in your group. You're going to an investigation. Let's say the location you're going to investigate is 5,000 square foot. Okay, it's a decent-sized building. You should only take maybe five people. Yeah, well, the thing is this. You, know, you don't if you, if you If you capture, say, say you're in a place four hours, <clears throat> if you capture an EVP at exactly two hours, 15 minutes, and 30 seconds, if you cannot tell me at two hours and 15 minutes and 30 seconds where all 32 members of your group mm-hmm. were, exactly. then how do you know that that wasn't a person in your group talking? Right. 
If you have two people in your group, three people in your group, you pretty much know where everybody is because you're probably walking around together exactly. and you're all in the same room. And in our case, if you pick up a female EVP, you know it's not us because all members of our group are male. Right. This is incidental, by the way. We're not yeah. saying don't yeah, put we, any girls we, in Yeah, <laughs> we didn't do it by choice. I mean, it wasn't something we said. Right. It was just... But it has been a handy, rich, it has yeah, been a handy thing for us. For us years and years. We've known each other for 20 plus years, and the other member is Richard's brother. Right. So Brandon I mean, so all, is... Yeah, yeah we've known each other this. for a while, and... Yeah. We and, have the same mindset. We, we look at investigations the same way. Right. And that's important, I mean, because number one, you got to trust the people you're investigating with. Number two, you got to be able to track them all. Mm -hmm. And you just don't, you don't, you don't want your audio, video, everything muddied up by people who are right. there uh, because they want a fun Saturday night hunting exactly. ghosts. Exactly. Um, we can so do, we can do that. We can do an investigation. Set one person by themselves in one area, and the other two people go off somewhere. They can monitor it, or they can do their own thing somewhere else. And right. we have no qualms with any EVPs that are picked up. Right, and we know each other's voices by now from right. audio that we can also tell those apart. But that said, <coughs> you can also make some very good contacts by getting out there and being a little bit social and meeting other groups. And this is one of those kind of cases that we met a group in Mississippi that just so happened to be really closely aligned with how we did things, and they invited us down to check out sort of a, an, a haunted location yeah, they, they had in they, their pocket. Right, they, had, they were actually members of DAR. And right. so they had full-on rock star access to this place. Right. So we're throwing a shout-out to Temps, um, the Ellisville, Mississippi Paranormal Society, which I don't know if they're still together anymore. I think they've disbanded and gone to other locations. But they uh, were involved with a pretty infamous haunted place called the Decent House. I will go above and beyond and say just one hell of a nice group. Good people, through and through. Oh, yes. And uh, great asset to meet these kinds of groups because, I mean, there's no psychics. There's no pretentiousness. There's no nope. – uh, we're just trying to get on TV yeah, kind of an, an attitude. They're not They're not walking around with cowboy hats right. and leather on like pretending home. ghost hunters are badasses. And <laughs> they're, just, they're, they're normal people. They have regular jobs on the side. They are just intrigued by the same thing we are. Right. And we were lucky uh, enough to hook up with them. They invited us down to the decent house, and we were were absolutely treated to one of the best haunted locations we've ever Oh my god, to. we go to a, go to an investigation. When you roll in, they've got like a grill going and a cooler full of beer. <laughs> They're barbecuing for you. Like give you a big hug when you show up. I'm like, wow, like a little tear rolling down my cheek or something. <laughs> right. And this was a location that, if you're not familiar with it, uh, if you go to our website, you will learn that we actually shot a documentary called Ghost of War which has now been turned into a web series. Uh, it did its documentary run, so now we've cut it up into many episodes. And Decent House, we've been tucking it away as our season finale, I guess you could say. So sorry about that, guys, but it'll be coming soon. It is. It, as soon as I get off my ass and finish editing. It definitely is in there. Absolutely, it's a good episode. Uh, so we went down, we shot uh, some interviews with the temps, we did our investigation, we shot everything we needed to do the episode of Ghost of War. And we had a lot of interesting experiences when we were there. And what was, what was neat about this particular location was this was a case of that synergy you get when you start, like, working with the ghosts and they're feeding mm -hmm. from your energy and things just start building up and happening. 
Like what? Uh, what was first? I guess the was it the table tipping? Maybe? The well, that's actually what we actually would say. Well, I want to clarify right now: we do not do table tipping as as a form of our investigation. This was more of a like an antagonistic, you know, trying to get something to happen because right. in that time they did believe in that. And they this was this it. was a this was a attempt to combine a trigger object with what we call an instigator, right. which is basically when you use a Ouija board, table tipping, something that basically falls along the lines of like we're trying to interact with you, mm-hmm. and this would be something that maybe holds some weight with them, and therefore compels mm-hmm. them to want to participate. And uh, it was pretty successful. We were doing what would yeah. be a table tipping session. Nothing was actually happening in the room with us, but what we heard mm-hmm. was as we sort of purposefully antagonized. <laughs> and, and that's that's what I was going to key on. I think that's what really ramped up everything is I will go on record as saying that Richard can probably be one of the best assholes around. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, the best. Probably the best. I'm <laughs> basically started antagonizing, cutting down, degrading the so-called spirit that was supposed to be there and it worked it did we actually started getting some seriously loud bangs slams knocks all on audio it was all like if you were in one room and maybe two rooms away in the house somebody was pissed off and they were like slamming the drawer shut on the dresser or throwing the door you know slamming the door closed stomping around throwing this down throwing that you know, trying to let you know that they're pissed off. Yeah, and then there was even the sound of like something heavy, like a bureau or something, yeah. sort of like Scra- moving, moving, scraping back scraping. and forth. Yeah, and th- this also is on our parts of it are on our website. Absolutely, but if, if in the ones that aren't will be in the episode of Ghost of War, so yeah. just stay tuned to that. Um, definitely worth your time anyway, because those are six fantastically yeah. great haunted locations. And and one good indicator of when a lot of this stuff is happening, because I was behind the camera at this time, and you can actually hear me. Like trying to reacting to like it, vocal yeah. vocalize to Richards like hey did you hear that you know something's going on down that hole those are the you know when you hear that you need to rewind or something because there's some right. all hell breaking loose First let's just put Mike's it that not way a professional cameraman and well, <laughs> I've never claimed to be a professional cameraman but yeah but this is sort of just how we shot it, it was a two man thing right and, you know somebody's behind the camera they're gonna bring something up but we had some great. Great experiences there. We had a great uh, little hide-and-seek session with a small child ghost. Uh, and uh, we, d- we had a great time as far as doing the investigation, getting the, everything on audio, video. Um, but what was where I was leading with this, was awesome. the hide-and-seek was awesome. And not only did we get it on video, but we got it on audio and had right. some great – we didn't hear them at the time, so they're EVP – but we had actually some great interaction going on from the child ghost. These these would fall under what you would call an A, a Class A EVP. Right. Which and, is and, and to clarify what understand. we were doing is basically as we we knew that there was there was reputedly a child ghost, and so what we were doing was we walk around the EMF detector again. It's the one that, that would would beep and buzz, and it we use like both the, of them, uh, the milligauss, milligauss and the regular Gauss meter. And we were walking around, and I would say, oh, you're here hiding. I'm going to find you. And I'd walk around the room, and eventually they would start to go off like I had just found them. Mm -hmm. And then literally, as soon as the EMF detector was maxing out, I would say, 
I got you, and it would go dead. He'd just say, you know, I'd jump into a corner, like in the what would be the parlor, the front sitting area of the house. He'd like jump in, I got you, and bam, it would die. Yeah, no sound whatsoever. And it was like the what, whoever was there ran off and hit again. Right. And this went on and on and on. And when we reviewed the audio, we actually had clips of the of what sounds like a little girl. Like, kind of going, uh, can we do yeah, it again? Talking and stuff. Well, At one point she said, can we do it again? Yeah, that was, uh, 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 that was actually towards the end. Right. When we, we finally decided, okay, well, we're going to wrap this up. we got to go investigate another part of the house. You could hear Richard say, well, we, you know, we've got to leave now. We've got other things to do. We've got to go to work. Uh, we'll come back and we'll do this later. You know, bye-bye. And immediately after that, you hear this little girl, like, uh, disappointed, like, uh, can we do it again? Yeah, clear. And I was like, oh, I mean, just man. crystal clear. That is like... And if we had heard it at the time, it probably would have made us yeah, do play hide and seek for all night. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, which Tracy and Paula did. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, right. But you know, they did, actually. Yeah, they did continue on doing the, 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 trigger, the hide and seek thing. But we didn't we didn't get it till after the fact because it was it wasn't right. MVP. But, um, but on the... Uh, Talking about the remain calm and walk out thing, mm-hmm. but at Which one point in the evening, we have a lead up to that too because I know what you're going into. Well, sure. Well, you know I'm going to talk about when once we had the place to ourselves. You know, Mike is a smoker. I am not, and so Mike often goes outside to grab a smoke, and he had done that. And I was setting up for what we call a red room experiment, and it's basically mm-hmm. where we set up red bulbs in a room to assist our IR. Um, which, if you don't know that trick. A uh, red light does not hurt the IR in your night vision cameras. Yeah, but um, it will so enhance. Can, it will actually it will enhance, enhance the video. Yeah, so uh, it's a great way to boost your your night vision and also uh, let you have some visible light so you right. can look around the room while you're working. Uh, so we had hung up some red bulbs and I was uh, plugging in a next one when uh, I was in the house by myself. Mike was smoking, and what I hear sounded like someone took their hands, cupped them over one ear, and went. It was loud, it was breathy, and it was directly into my ear. I mean, the only thing that was missing was the actual, like, wind off the breath. I knew immediately that (laughs) something was going on inside because, like he said, I was outside on the, the side stoop, the kitchen exit, having a cigarette, kind of reflecting on the evening. I was pondering, I should say, and... I heard these deliberate, heavy footsteps quickly coming towards the door. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a run. It wasn't a panic. No. But I knew I knew something had happened just by his footsteps. <laughs> and that's it. And, I mean, and that's all you can really hope to do. I mean, when something like that happens, I, I literally I set the cord down that was in my mm-hmm. hand because I was fumbling in the dark trying to, to plug it into the wall socket when it happened. I literally just sat it on the floor. Stood up straight like a robot, turned around, and told myself, do not run, do not run, do not run. <laughs> and I walked, and I walked myself very deliberately, apparently very loudly, mm-hmm. straight to the back door outside and told Mike what happened. And that's, that's, and quite frankly, that's the that's best the you way can to hope do it. for. That's the way It's the best it. you can hope for. Well, you think about it. It's middle of the night. You're by yourself in a dark place that's already been told to you it's haunted. Something happens. Yeah. Well, no some, one's there. Some, somebody was actually murdered there. Uh, yeah. And, well, and a lot of natural deaths. I mean, this yeah. was, it was once a Civil War hospital where people were operated on and died. You had, and, and the room that he was actually 
hanging up the red light and all that was, was the, the operation room. room. It That's was right. the surgery room. They call it the long room slash surgery yeah. room. And uh, if you go to the decent house, and I recommend if you can even tour it, to absolutely go. Mm-hmm. And a uh, fascinating story about Amos Deason and uh, Newt Knight. And... Uh, and a lot of those, a lot of those stories are on Temp's website. If it's if it's yeah. still up and active, I hope, yes, hope it is. Major Macklemore, who Major was McLemore. shot in the back and by Newt Knight, right in front of the fireplace. And Amos they, they actually, this is how cool they were. They actually gave us each a section of the bloodstained floorboard. Right, kind of kind of macabre. I just uh, thought it was cool. It is cool. I still have the piece of chunk of board. It's still sitting I, in my office. I have mine. It's a. Uh, it's basically a foot long. I took it home. It's, it's kind of a funny story, I guess. But I mean, because it didn't bother me because I have the board still. For some reason, my dad wanted to test out his new nail gun, and he used that board. <laughs> and he, and I went out and I found it the next day, and there's like these bent nails sticking everywhere. Huh. But. You know, like I said, there's at least eight inches of the board that is still left. So I'm like, yeah, I'm still cool with it. Well, I, mean, I still, I, ha- it. I still have my stain chunk, and yeah. uh, it's actually it's on it's on my mantle along with a couple other like things from mm-hmm. like Mansion and yeah. a few other haunted places. And, to. and going back to Richard's, like the breath the in the ear here. and all that. Oh right. While we were all the uh, Timps was actually doing a walk-around investigation with. We did a group investigation before we broke off and did our spiel for the documentary. Uh, Tony, who's actually one of the members of Temps, big boy. <laughs> big boy. By, by big, shout, I mean he's out. a big guy, man. He's like shout six out. foot seven. Shout out to Tony Pipkin. Yeah, he's a hell of a good cooker, too, man. He barbecued some good yeah, shit. Yeah, we're coming back down, and we're going to come and happy for some more of them meat we, and barbecue. Uh, we were all moving into... Uh, it might have been the red. The it was the red long room. room, yeah. And yeah. Well, he was in the doorway. I was behind him, and he started swatting at his ear. Yeah. And I first thing I'm thinking either, well, there's a mosquito, there's a bug bothering right. him, or something like that. And I when I'm kind of like, ah, oh, man, bugs getting you. He's like, dude. He was like, it's like there's somebody like breathing in my ear. There's like like this heavy breath in my ear, and. A, I was like, ah, I didn't think much of it until right. Richard told me his story. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, then we went back and we related that to Tony. And it was like, holy crap. It's like, so it all kind of like strung together. Which makes Tony look like really macho and me look really <laughs> wussy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Since he's just swatting at the ghost. Yeah, he's just kind of like brushing it away. <laughs> I'm stomp marching my way out the door. <laughs> you know. Which which makes me wonder, like I said, Tony's got to be at least six seven, and you know, if that thing's breathing in his ear, how big is this ghost? Yeah, yeah, it's a big ghost. So, all right. So I, I I'm thinking, you know, maybe you know, this is another one of those lessons again. You just you take your you take your time, and uh, when you something encounters, keep calm, exit the area, that sort of thing. So the decent house, absolutely. If you can make a tour, historical, haunted, whatever, definitely worth your trip. If you can we, find Tony and Temps, <laughs> good barbecue. <laughs> Tony, Tracy, I know they're still down there in, in uh, Mississippi. Um, so, okay, so some of you are probably thinking, okay, we're hearing about a lot of these places and we've never really heard much about these places before. Did these guys ever actually go to the famous haunted places? 
Well, the answer is yes, but the thing of it is, is you should keep in mind, is that a haunting is a haunting. Exactly. Just because a place is famous doesn't make the haunting any better yeah. than another one. We have gone to Limp Mansion. Yeah, and I will, I will interject right there that Limp Mansion is reputedly in the top ten, if not in the country. Definitely in the United States, it's in the top ten, and it's known worldwide. But we have actually had better encounters and experiences in some of these lesser-known places. Yeah, some of the lesser I mean, traveled. It's just it's one of those things. I mean, a haunting is a haunting is a haunting is a haunting. Right. Don't buy into the hype. And I mean, yeah. yes, certainly we have gone to a lot of the. We've gone to the Myrtles. We've yeah. gone to Lamp. We've gone, we've gone Crescent. to Crescent Hotel. We've gone to a lot of the ones that are the big places. So we've we've definitely gone to a lot of the places that are the quote unquote big haunted places, especially in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. And I'm just here to debunk the idea that one haunted place is any better than any other. Of course, some have more activity than others, but just because a place is famous or you've heard of it, honestly, they end up being the biggest letdowns a lot of time because right. well, you go in with such anticipation, expecting so much, right. And a lot of times, I mean, it really isn't that. And, and it's not because they're not haunted. I mean, right. it's like the old saying, the old cliche, you know, hey, ghosts don't perform on cue. That's right. I mean, and the expectations that you have will never match up to the experience you have. Exactly. So, I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, we appreciate these places. We visit those places. But we really wanted to talk more about the places that we've gone to that maybe are slightly lesser well-known hauntings. Yeah, well, regional hauntings. And most of them are more... Uh, more dear to our hearts right and that said you're listening to this podcast this is the first of september uh we actually have ghost tours we're going to be doing this fall um and i definitely say if you can swing out to either of those they'll be posted on the website this week uh, we'll be actually hosting tours at the woodruff fontaine house in downtown memphis tennessee we will also be hosting ghost tours at the fabulously haunted Magnolia Manor in Bolivar, Tennessee, which we're going to wrap this podcast up with talking about. But before we do so, if you allow another plug, <laughs> you can also watch several other great uh, haunted locations on the remaining Ghosts of War episodes. Uh, you can actually watch the episodes. We're loading up another one this week, which is uh, Harney Mansion in Missouri, Sullivan, Missouri. Uh, we've done previous episodes in Magnolia Manor, Bolivar, Tennessee, mm -hmm. so you can see a little bit of what we're going to be talking about. And we've also did the Eldred House in Eldred, Illinois. But upcoming episodes will feature Octagon Hall in Ken Franklin, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. I think that's right, right? Um, <coughs> the Decent House that we just Decent talked about. House is season finale. Be on there. That's the finale. House. Minton House in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. All coming your way. Uh, Octagon Hall, we thought about talking about last, but we have to sort of talk about the place that we've investigated, I think, honestly, more than any more, other place. Hands down, more than any place ever. Right. Yeah, extended family is what they are. They absolutely are. Uh, Greg and Elaine and even Tom, uh, we know so well at Magnolia Manor. Uh, shout out to those guys. Uh, Magnolia Manor B&B, I believe is the website. Bolivar, Tennessee. Fantastically antebellum haunted house. Uh, they do ghost tours every year, but even if you just go rent a room for the night, uh, you will have an interesting stay. Um, I don't even know where to begin the conversation. About this, <laughs> we have had so many things happen at Magnolia There's, Manor. Oh my God. There's so many stories about the place, and 
so far we've went in and never really been disappointed. All the stories have turned out, yeah, well, that happens because it happened to us. More evidence than we could actually put into the DVD episode or the, the documentary. Uh, it's bad and good at the same time. I mean, we had so much happen there that we probably left out two-thirds of it. Yeah, we did. And EVPs that are just, they're the, they're the EVPs that ghost hunters want. They're the ones oh, that everyone dreams for. The, the crystal clear, mimics. direct responses. Yeah, mimics. Uh, we stayed, mean? the outdoor little cottage that's on the site, we, we got a male ghost actually repeating what we're saying, mimicking us. Um, we've gotten, I saw an actual partial apparition appear. Uh, stories play, of a woman games. in a rocking chair. Right. Stories, I mean, we heard live voices of a woman laughing in the room with us. <laughs> you name it, we've had it happen We have there. had it at Magnolia Manor. It's, and, um, it's the bomb. It's, it's a great location. But beyond that, it's a great B&B. It's a great place to stay. Oh, yeah. Uh, Elaine cooks up a mean yeah, breakfast some for you. badass eggs Benedict the next yeah, morning. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, hospitality, all the, the, the ridiculous, that absolutely cliched, awesome southern hospitality, hospitality is there. You, uh, I mean, you go in, you're greeted with a handshake, a smile. They talk to you like they've known you all your life. They'll, t- they'll give you the whole history of the thing over a glass of wine give you a tour of the entire grounds, everything, and set you up for a night of sleep, and you will enjoy it. And we won't elaborate on it, but if you visit Magnolia Manor, be sure to ask Lane about their house guest, Rhett Butler. Yeah. All right, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave that as a surprise thing yeah. you can discover on your own. Uh, so, Magnolia Manor, we have been there many, many times, and uh, I th- the, the first thing that really jumps out at me is while we were actually shooting Ghosts of War, we had a string of sort of personal experiences that started with a violin that's a mantle decoration, sort of making noise. Yeah, it's, uh, we were doing an EVP session. I was actually standing up by the camera. We had a static camera set up on a tripod at one area. We were just doing the EVP session, kind of chatting back and forth amongst ourselves, and it sounded like somebody, if somebody would walk up with their finger and kind of just kind of flicked the violin, just yeah, kind of like, like a thump. thumped it. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I mean, it's on, we have audio of that. Right. And we attempted to do a realistic, uh, also, yeah, we, recreation. We, yeah, we, uh, but we couldn't we completely shot exactly that down. Happened. It's like, yeah. you know, hey. <laughs> You know, if, if we don't, if we don't have the true thing happening, you know, let's yeah. not try and pull the wool over anybody's eye. We're not going to. Well, and, but beyond and, that, but it I was mean, a recreation. You, you, you we specified, right? But also, but on top of that, you also it was just you couldn't reproduce the mm-hmm. exact sound. And you walked up to it and you flicked it with your actual finger. It wasn't the exact same sound as, as what we heard, right? But I mean, we have done ghost tours at this house where we hear people talking in the room around us. I remember specifically having a large group of people who were there for ghost tours, and. We were in the C.A. Miller suite on the second floor, and we were talking about how we were going to go about ghost hunting, and a woman's voice just starts talking over the top of us. <laughs> and everyone's looking at each other like, 
who's doing this talking? Who is that? Yeah. And uh, so basically, it's not an EVP. No, it's a disembodied voice. And what was fun? It was it was actually kind of fun to watch the looks of on everyone's face <laughs> as the as a realization dawned on them. Oh crap! This yeah. is this, this is place, a ghost. This place is actually haunted. <laughs> oh crap! That's a ghost talking. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and. Uh, we just, I mean, I saw a partial apparition. You're going to hear the C.A. Miller suite a lot because this is where yeah. I saw a partial apparition appear. And why I see partial, we were shooting a scene involving a rocking chair where a woman appears. When I look over and in the corner of the room, what looked like a bald head and a partial, like, upper torso of a person started to sort of manifest. But I pointed at it and yelled, not in alarm, but more excitement, actually. And, uh... Lo and behold, it just faded away. Uh, so it didn't even come into fruition as far as being a full apparition or anything, but close enough that we were excited about that corner for the rest of the evening. <laughs> <laughs> and ironically, we did get an interesting audio clip that while we were discussing the ghost appearing in the mm-hmm. corner, I said, you know, maybe we need to move our camera to the other side of the room to yeah. shoot the corner, and we get this nice EV point yeah, well, of an, we a male We were talking voice. about maybe like putting, putting it there so we can actually – get the rocking chair in view right and we get this nice evp of a male voice saying put that sucker over there (laughs) and that's what it sounds like it sounds like this gravelly voice saying put that sucker over there and we tried all kinds of weird tricks like we, we you know you bring in all your gears ghost hunters you know we said hey you know we just moved in your house this is our suitcases and we're gonna move in and change your furniture and do everything how we want to and we get this nice evp of what sounds like a woman saying, uh, I know it. I know it. <laughs> and this, this <laughs> nice little southern accent saying, I know it. Like, yeah, I know. You're moving in. You're going to mess my house up. Yeah, you're jacking everything up. <laughs> and, 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 and on and on and on. I mean, we've got so many EVPs, so many had, experiences. Uh, we have a night a nightstand by the bed that on, I think, two separate occasions we walked in, the door, the door is open on it. And it doesn't have a handle, so you have to actually stick your finger in the hole where the handle was and pull with force because it's kind of, it's kind of warped or, you know, it doesn't well, it's, open. It's an old piece of furniture. Yeah. yeah it's, and you can pull it open like that, but, I mean, you legitimately have to pull with force. So, right. Yeah, okay, we close the door, and we're like, well, yeah, we'd like to see you do that again. And we walk off, and we're doing our investigation in other parts of the house. We come back, and the damn door is open again. Absolutely. And it dawns, you know, it's like, why didn't we put a video camera on that? Yep, and you couple this up with... Another mistake. We know, we've stayed several times. There are four rooms in Magnolia Manor. We have caught evidence in the main house in three of the four rooms. And on the Mm -hmm. outside is a cottage that you can rent separately where we probably caught some of the best evidence ever. Yeah, and it, it, like at first, it's not even known for being that haunted. That much evidence ever yeah. coming from it, but I mean, we we yeah, literally have it, a voice that's mocking us. I don't know if it's mocking us it's, or just repeating it's, us. It sounds uh, like it's just kind of repeating everything we say. Yeah, there was like at one point there was a loud sound of an in floor heater creaking, where I say that was loud, and then you sort of hear this mush mouth male voice kind of go, "Damn, man." And then of all Which, things, well, that was actually preceded by an invitation to come in and join us sure and, and and for the ghost hunters out there this really all spawned when we started doing singapore theory which is playing music of the yeah. era and we were actually playing 
early 1900 waltzes. Right. We were playing Tennessee waltz, Missouri waltz, mm -hmm. things of that nature. And basically asking, it's like, hey, do you, you like music? If you like this, why don't you come into this room here and join us and listen to this music? And right, and things happen. Just maybe three seconds after that was said, you hear what sounds like somebody step on that grate, which we knew the sound because each of us had stepped on it through the night. We were trying to avoid it because it was so loud. But you heard that great creak like there was a footstep on it and richard said you know wow that was loud and then you hear and that weird you heard voice that, that voice was that was loud and then of course you know over the course of the evening you know i probably said mike's name a thousand times hey mike this mike 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 and at one point i actually said mike something or other and you can clearly hear the once the again same voice. same voice that male like almost like tongue is half cut off yeah, kind like of a thing. Yeah, tongue tied, can't just some type of a speech impediment. Yeah, if you were putting it in human terms, and it could be that there's a lack of a tongue here. Yeah. Uh, but it actually says Mike, and then another time. I mean, it's just it goes on and on and on here. The point being is, is if if you're listening to this podcast and you're you know Midwesterner, Mid South. Make the trip up to Magnolia Manor, Bolivar, Tennessee. We're not mm -hmm. trying to sound like a commercial here. We're just trying to give you a good ghost yeah, hunting tip. Just, if you're if you're actually into it, and this even goes out. I mean, if you're a beginning group, this is a location that you can go to. It's a B and B. They're That's more right. than open with their ghost stories. That's true. Some I are mean, on the site. You can ask them about it. And they would be more than happy to sit down with you and talk about it. There. I mean, even breaking away from. What I'm talking about now, there was an instance where me and Rich were actually there discussing a Halloween event that we were going to be co-sponsoring with them, co-hosting with them. It was Elaine, the owner, Tom, her boyfriend, and her, uh, her, Elaine's son, Greg. We were all sitting in the living room talking. Greg was on the couch. In front of him was a stack of books, and he had a phone charger sitting on it. And as we were talking, you know, we were talking about the ghost and all the history of it and the stories and relaying, you know, stuff that we witnessed and experienced. And she was telling us some of her stories. And then the topic changed to the Halloween event. And it's like, well, they didn't like that. Maybe the spirits didn't like that because we weren't talking about them. The phone charger literally jumped about six to eight inches up off of the uh, stack of books and fell onto the floor. And man, oh, me and Richard were looking at it going, man, I had Elaine and Tom and all, and they just kept going on like it was nothing. Oh, that happens all the time. They just, yeah. you know, we're ignoring I mean, it's them. Just, this is just a, a really active place, uh, not well known, small town, great location. And hey, if you want to actually meet us and hang out with us, come yeah, out for the ghost right tours. Uh, we're going to be there two nights for the ghost tours. Mm -hmm. And this is a perfect place for us to wrap up the podcast. Uh, hey, let us know about your haunted places. Uh, email us at info at paranormalincorporated, all spelled out, dot com. Yeah. Tell us about the places you like to investigate, your experiences. If you actually own a place that you consider haunted, if you would like somebody to come in, if you want validation, if you just want somebody to check it out, give us a shout. Absolutely. I mean, we'd be more than happy to come out and check the place out for you. Cause, well, I mean, like we're any all, legitimate ghost <laughs> club, we do not charge. And we're all for investigating new haunted places and getting that stuff out there. So... Have fun with the ghost hunt. See you later. Yeah. Later. <laughs>